I was in high school. We would work in the summers up there and be receptionist and things like that. But I really had a dream to be the first woman salesperson there. And when I approached my dad before I started college saying this is what I wanted to do, he didn't mean it ugly to me, but he's like, no daughter of mine is going to be in this male-dominated industry. So it was a lot rougher around the edges back then, but here we are. Welcome to Breaking Down Boxes. I'm Gene Marino with Acres Packaging. And I'm Joe Morelli with Houston Patterson and Lewisburg Printing Company. We have compelling conversations with successful entrepreneurs in the packaging space. Gene, this is a new one for us. First of all, somebody gave us the opportunity and the platform to have a podcast, which was crazy enough as it is, but now somebody is actually paying us to sponsor the show. What? I can't believe it. Nothing surprises me anymore. The good news is that we're taking our first foray into having our very own sponsor for this podcast. And this is brought to you by Oxbox. It's strength you can depend on. They focus on one thing and one thing only, and that is how to provide best-in-class heavy-duty packaging with outstanding service. So if you're looking for heavy-duty or jumbo box manufacturing, they're the ones to call. www.oxbox.com. And now, back to the show. We're excited to have our guest today, Jana Harris. President and CEO of Harris Packaging and American Carton, Fort Worth, Texas, and Mansfield, Texas, and the Madam Chairman of the AICC. We're looking forward to hearing about Jana's story and her career path, which takes a couple interesting twists, but leads us to a very successful, thriving couple of businesses today. I think from my perspective, Jana's been somebody that I've always looked up to in the industry just as a strong female leader and having a wife that is also in the business as well. I'm really anxious to dig into her story about how she's transitioned into the family business, but then also become a leader and will be the third chairwoman in this industry's history. So really anxious and excited to have you here, Jana. Thank you very much. Before we get going, maybe a couple minute commercial on Harris Packaging and American Carton, what you guys do, who you service, and what you're all about. I'm very proud and excited to be second generation of these two companies. American Carton Company is a folding carton plant in Mansell, Texas. We've been around since 1992, so when Dad founded that one. And then Harris Packaging is a sheet plant in Fort Worth, Texas. I believe we're one of the largest sheet plants in Texas. And it was founded in 1976 by both my parents. Our customers are all over the board. We service anything from plain brown to very high-end with UV, both with corrugated and with folding. Our customer base is pretty broad. Dad's still involved in the business at all? No. He owns 5% still, but he's the tiebreaker if we ever need it. But mm-hmm. thankfully, we haven't needed it. So 40, whatever, with you and Janice, and then five with him. 47 and a half. Yeah. What precipitated that? He owned it all. Mm-hmm. And then slowly you two come in. And yeah. we just talked to Chad Wagner about risk profiles and how an owner in there. 70s or 80s doesn't have the same appetite. Right. Actually, Dad had always wanted us to become owners. That was the plan. But he really thought if Harris Packaging was 51% or more woman-owned, it would give us a leg up in the industry. Mm -hmm. I did not notice that necessarily, Mm -hmm. but that's why he pushed it a little sooner than we were expecting. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. He started the company, founded it. 
My mom and dad did. Both companies? No. Okay. My mom passed in 91, and he started American Carton in 92. Preoccupy himself? Yes. Sure. So he started in the corrugated space. Yeah. So dad started in corrugated. He was in the industry for about 10 to 12 years, I think, before he decided to go off on his own. And he started as a broker for the first year. And then we had the opportunity to buy a piece of the building that we're currently in now. And there, it was already a corrugated plant, but it was only a couple pieces of equipment. It was very small. And it just grew over the years and added on and added on. Did he have kids when he decided to become a broker and go off on his own? I was five. Janice <laughs> was about 11. So I grew up with my Barbies in hand and skates and OSHA would have been really mad and <laughs> all the things that we would do on the weekends when they had to work. It's nuts. What a lot of fun, though. Yeah. I always tease people because when I go speak at UTA or wherever, I say, okay, who in this room grew up wanting to be in the box business? <laughs> and they're like, no hands usually. But I did because I grew up around it. Even crazier is that I think a lot of the people we talk to, when you talk to the second or third generation, they're like, right, we didn't want anything to do with it. Yeah. And then you just naturally get pushed into it. I was in high school. We would work in the summers up there and be receptionist and things like that. But I really had a, a dream to be the first woman salesperson there. And when I approached my dad before I started college that saying this is what I wanted to do, he didn't mean it ugly to me, but he's like, no daughter of mine is going to be in this male-dominated industry. So it was a lot rougher around the edges back then when I was much younger. But uh, here we are. So I went off, got my exercise science degree, and started swan and then did cardiology and, and then boxes. Getting an exercise science degree, did that conversation with him about you wanting to be in sales divert you into that space? Correct. I was teaching aerobics and had little kids at home, and I was just really enjoying it. And so I thought, since I'm not going to be working in the family business, might as well do something I enjoy. Yeah. And how long after starting that did you start considering going to work for your dad? So it took me 10 years to get my college degree. I had two kids and then we lost mom. And when I finally got it, I approached my dad again, wanting to work at American Carton Company that he started right after mom passed because my first husband was working there. And so I thought, oh, how fun to work in the family business. But there wasn't a position available. It was not as healthy of a company as it is today. And it just didn't make sense to create a position for your daughter that wouldn't be healthy for Anyone, really, me or the company. So I started a salon. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I knew I wanted to do something in business, even though I got my degree in exercise science. Happened to be in the salon one day, getting my hair done, overheard the owner say he wanted to open one in Mansfield. And I'm like, you want a partner? So we started that. Thank goodness I took my dad's recommendation, and I was 51%. He was 49 mm. Because I had to fire him. Did not turn out too well. How quickly after you went into business? About a year. Really? Had to fire him. And how old were you? 29. Entrepreneurial from, from the get-go. Yeah, yeah, I think that's yeah. really cool. <laughs> Kept it going a couple of years. It was actually making a little bit of money, but not enough money for me to survive on after I divorced. So. And what type, I imagine there were experiences or things that you learned during that time that maybe translate. I learned that I was stronger than I thought I was. Because I was not expecting to run a salon. I had knew nothing about doing hair. Learned how important it is to have really good employees that know more than you do. 
<laughs> was your goal then at the beginning was just to be an investor? He, this partner knew the salon side of it. You'd be an investor or did you want to go work there? I was working there. I was doing all the payroll, all the purchasing, all that kind of stuff. But I just cleaned a lot. Salons are messy. <laughs> but no, he was doing all the decisions about what products we wanted to carry. Of course, he was doing hair too. Had you ever fired anybody when you had to have that conversation at 29? No. Yeah. But that was an experience. It was not fun. Yeah. It was not fun. But it had to be done. We were not going in the direction that we needed to be going and learned the hard way. Yeah. But again, I was super thankful I listened to my dad's advice at 51. He had had a business years ago with a partner and they were 50-50 and had some disagreements. Couldn't get past those and so they had to close shop. So he learned yeah. himself and passed that down to me. Was there a lot of counseling and advice from him as you went on your own to, to do that? Or would you get through it and then circle back? My dad is brilliant. He is not the best teacher. So even when we started work at Harris, my mentor was our GM. He was a really good teacher. But yes. Who was that? What was his name? Uh, Harold Bivens. But if I had a question, definitely I'd go to dad and he would give me some very sound advice. Yeah. But he didn't try to nose his way into telling me how to run the business. So when you sold the salon, you'd go into the cardiology thing. Tell us about that. How did you make that bounce? Again, I had to get a job that would pay me enough. Sure. And that was something that I had the credentials for and got in there just as a stress test technician. Started with that. And then they started teaching me pacemaker checks and they taught me echocardiograms, which was very fascinating. I love that job because your patients, they're scared to come do those tests because obviously they think there's something wrong with them. And just to be able to be a kind face and try to be as comforting as possible was really rewarding for me. Yeah. When you were doing that, were you fully committed to that job at the time or in the back of your mind, were you still thinking about Harris? I'm still thinking about Harris, but I was committed to it because I was learning everything that they wanted to teach me. It's a great career. It really is. But I'm super blessed to also have this opportunity to continue on our dad's legacy, basically. Very cool. Growing up, you said you had dreams of being in the business and you knew what route you wanted to go. Was Janice the same way or did you guys talk about that together growing up? Or? Um, not really growing up. After we lost mom and I was trying to get through college and all that, we'd mention it a time or two. She was a stay-at-home mom plus did part-time computer programming from home. And so she really liked being at home with the kids. And so timing for her, I think she probably would have kicked the can down a little bit longer until they grew up a little bit more. But when the opportunity came and dad approached us, we were both in. And this was 2006? Six. So between the two of you, you've got all young kids. We do. As the cardiology thing started to wrap up, was Harris the next step? Yes. And how did the conversation go at that point with your dad? I'd already done the cardiology thing for about four years. Interesting. We had never really talked to him much about it recently from that time. And so we, we were shocked when he approached us. We were very happy about it because Janice and I had already started kicking the can about wanting to approach him. The real story behind that is dad had somewhat considered selling. He wasn't sure what he was going to do. One of his key employees who was basically our internal accountant. We found out that he hadn't bounced the checkbook in about a year, mm. <laughs> which is a problem. Thankfully, didn't do anything horrible, like steal from us or anything like that. But dad had to fire someone that he thought very highly of. And he's like, okay, 
if I'm going to keep this thing going, I want family in here. Yeah. Someone I know I can trust in that position. So I started the week before. This gentleman was still working there that week. And Janice was going to be his replacement. So wow. she had to come in after dad let him go. And now you're in the business. And oh, by the way, it's two businesses. What was it like at the beginning? You're in there, obviously some dynamics without reconciliations and stuff like that. So you two are in there trying to get reacquainted with the business. A lot's <laughs> changed since you were five. No longer free labor. Can't no. Harold. Mm -hmm. So is he guiding you two? Are you guys collective with that group and your dad? How do you two get off the blocks? What we decided to do, I started in customer service. There was a need there, and it's a great position to learn a lot. Janice started obviously thrown into that accountant type position. Mm -hmm. We thought we would stick in those positions for about a year or two and then switch. Mm -hmm. And after about six months, we knew very clearly we were in the right position. We would not be doing that. Interesting. So I did about two years in customer service and then moved on to do probably about two to three months at a time in different departments. I love that. Yeah. So purchasing, shipping, scheduling, all that fun stuff. And then I got to step into sales. And now I don't have a whole lot on my list of things to do every day. It's nice, actually. That is nice. Yeah. <laughs> We're not going to let you just move from your six months in customer service to now you don't have a lot going on. <laughs> it's a pretty sizable career gap right there we're going to dig into. We were talking earlier just about being a female in the industry, male-dominated industry. When you walked into Harris in 2006, was it the same? It was already better than what it was when I was 18, wanting to become a part of it because I was in my 30s when we joined. I've never been mistreated or looked at differently because I'm a woman there. I think the employees for sure just appreciated us coming in with, we're going to be here and work our butts off. And That's Janice right. and I both took a pay cut to come work for a family business that yeah. turned out just fine. But they saw our dedication and the fact that we weren't coming in with silver spoons. That's great to hear. Did you have any dynamics, though, with respect to the two young girls that used to roller skate through the plant and now you're here? Was there anyone in the environment who was just like, Jana, you're not going to tell me how to... Did you run any of that no, flack? Not, no, not any coworkers. That's interesting. The only little bit of a battle I had is probably with my dad because we're very like-minded, very strong-minded individuals. And he had a very specific idea of how I should be in sales. And once we became owners... And uh, my idea was a little different. And so we clashed some. But I'll tell you what really turned everything for us. We felt like we were just owners in title for a while because we weren't really making the big decisions and all of that. We hired a consultant to come in just to work with Janice and I. And he helped us do a one-year, three-year, five-year plan. And we just really dove into the key things that we were going to be reviewing every quarter and what our expectations were. And once we started having those meetings and we were the ones leading the meeting, I think we really earned the respect from the management team at that time. Yeah. Type. What's the timing on that? You come in in 06 and you're working your way through. Became owners the end of 09. That's fairly quick. Again, that was pretty much in title only. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Yeah. 
And uh, probably three years after that, mm-hmm. before we did the consultant. How did you know putting a plan together like that was the way to go and gain respect? Or were you just flying by the seat of your pants and hoping something sticks? So our GM at the folding carton plant kind of knew where my mind was with being frustrated of not having much control of the day-to-day stuff and the big decisions. And he's the one that recommended the consultant. And sure glad he did. It's really interesting to hear. It sounds as if between Harold and maybe this GM and you had a lot of internal champions for you. Definitely did. Pushing you towards success where I think a lot of times in situations when second or third generation comes in, oftentimes being held back or people are looking at them differently. Who's the new punk that's going to be my boss (laughs) someday? And rather than helping them, they ultimately hinder Right. growth within the company. It doesn't sound like that. No, it was really great. And now that we have Jordan and this year, we're excited to add another third generation person to our team. It's my nephew, Peyton Cox, who is Janice's son. I think it's going to be very similar to our experience. It just feels very familiar and uh, they're getting a lot of support. And now Harold's son, who's our current GM, is their mentor. That's neat. That's wild. And every Friday afternoon, they sit down and he teaches them something new about the industry. Yep. And uh, really taking it, taking them under his wings, basically. As you two come in, you know, there's so much to unpack. So it's 06 and you're coming into the corrugated business because folding carton's not that big yet. Correct. But obviously has grown significantly over the years. How do you start working your way through customer service, accounting, you start rotating around. When you moved into sales, were you corrugated and folding carton? How does that all blossom and start to take root? To be honest with you, we didn't spend a whole lot of time down at American Carton at first Mm -hmm. because we were trying to learn corrugated. But when I started sales is really when I started spending more time at American Carton Company. So I was selling for both. Yeah. And I started learning more about that. They're very different companies, but they're both awesome. They're both Really amazing people. We keep a lot of the people that we've had for years and years. We have a lot of their kids that work for us too. And so it's awesome is the multi-generational families that are working with you. Yep. Out the plant, in the office. We've got our top two sales guys at Harris are brothers. And both of their sons are working for us now. That's great. Can we go back to the three-year span between 06 and 09 as you're coming into the business? And as you transition in, into ownership, how did that all transpire? And it seems pretty quick that over a three-year time period to become ownership. Yeah. And again, it, for us, it was just entitled at first. And the real push behind that was our father wanting to take advantage of the woman-owned business thing, as well as there were some tax breaks that year that if we were able to take advantage of them, it would help us. So those two factors really pushed us into ownership. And he came to you and said, this is what I want to do. Right. Please tell me if I'm wrong, but I don't suspect your dad was really formal in, you're going to do this and Janice is going to do this and I'm going to do this. It was just the three of you were just operating and you two were just taking on more and more responsibility. It really, it started as in title only, but it never really seemed to be about the titles. It seemed to be just about everything else. Right. Truly was a team effort. Yeah. How often were you and Janice formally getting together early on? How were you two finding your way and conquering and dividing? Were you getting together on a regular basis and kind of updating each other? Early on, not so much. It's interesting. 
We were just trying to find our way in what we were doing. Yeah. Janice had a lot to take on because she was stepping into a CFO role that she had never done before. Yeah. So she had a lot to wrap her arms around that first year and try to figure out and clean up the mats that was left behind. Yeah. And I was thrown under the bus the first week I started our uh, customer service manager was out with surgery. So I took over all of her clients and really didn't know what I was doing, but it worked out. I learned a lot. Yeah. Baptism by fire. Yep. Yep. For sure. In 09 versus where you've come today, you start working with a consultant. You and Janice now are a little more focused on strategically, what are we going to do with this company? See, I'm bored with that as you start to I like how you described it. The two of you just started to manage the meeting and lead the discussion. Yeah. Is he on board with that? Is he letting you two blossom? He did. First, I think it was hard to let go because this is what he created. This was his vision, his passion, and almost like extended part of the family. It's the company. He wasn't just like hands off right off the bat, but the more we got involved and the more he saw us making good decisions and working well with the management team, so it started a shift, and then the more comfortable he became, the more he was able to semi-step back and not feel like he has to hold the reins. What was the first kind of pivotal moment where maybe there's two branches? One where you and Janice are on the same page and he disagrees and you have to have that meeting to, to work through it, and you and Janice ultimately select a direction and what the one where that same occurrence takes place and he picks the direction. Were there any defining moments in, in, in the businesses where, where those occurred? I'm almost laughing because what popped in my head was my involvement with AICC <laughs> because he loved this organization, thought there's a lot of value. He just did not believe in donating the time and effort to be on the board and that sort of thing. Anytime, you know, it was time for that trip to Costa Rica or wherever (laughs) we're going. He did not talk to me a whole lot, but I went ahead and went. We we definitely had different ideas on that. So in 09, when you guys took ownership in title only, Mm -hmm. as you say, did he fully concede his shares? How did that transition all go? I'll be honest with you, I don't remember what percentage we got the first go-round, but it was definitely over 51%. And then when he did the rest, the balance of it, he did keep 5%. And I think it was just hard for him to totally let go. But it also makes him the tiebreaker if we ever had a a disagreement, which thankfully we have not. Yeah. Knock on wood. Knock on wood, yeah. So that's where we're at right now. Oh, long after... The ownership transition, did your dad start to back away from the day-to-day? I would say, I'd say after that, the year with the consultant and we started those meetings, I'd say it took him a couple of years to get pretty comfortable. He'd start inviting us into if we were going to look at a piece of equipment. We'd start sitting around the table for that and listening Yeah. to see what questions he was going to ask the vendor, also see what was his decision-making process. How would you pick this machine over that machine? He used to love to buy equipment, and now we're to a point we say, we're looking at something, you want to come on in? No, y'all got it. We've kind of taken on all those roles now. How do you two operate? We're very different roles. There'll be days that we don't even see each other because I'm down there 
American Carton, she's at Harris or, or busy with other things. But anytime we have big decisions that need to be ownership decisions, we work together really well, to be honest with you. Mm. We've had some heart-to-hearts, especially with getting the kids involved in the business, but we're, we know we're in it together as a team. So we're always equals in, in our eyes. We just have different job areas of expertise. Correct. Yeah. The dynamics of what you did early on to set this strategy and the focus, and then your dad gets comfortable with that and almost organically, there, there is no, it's family business, right? So your dad doesn't wake up one day and say, make all the decisions. Right. You two begin to grow in your success in your decision-making as you advance to where you are today. Do you still use those similar tools? Are you still planning together and in agreement and lockstep on where the business is going? With Dan? With you and Janice. Yes. That's interesting. Do you involve your kids yet that are in the business in those discussions? We're starting to. Interesting. So also organically. Right. Yeah. We're starting to because we feel like whenever you make a big decision, we're doing an expansion right now or buying equipment or are we going to take this customer because of blank issue? Are we going to not want to take this customer? All those are decisions that I think they can learn from. And we're allowing them to sit in there and listen to us discuss. Mm -hmm. And it's usually myself, my sister, and our GM. Yeah, just being present in that is a great opportunity. And then the fact that you were using your GM to help develop the next generation is invaluable. So they get to experience those discussions and conversations Mm -hmm. about guiding the company, working on the business instead of in, and then getting that experience from also someone who sits in that meeting. It's got to be pretty valuable. Yeah. Yeah. Very special. Yeah. What? So now when you talked about the interaction with your GMs, I assume you have a CFO that handles both companies or Mace no? Mace is CFO is in title. Yeah. But we, she has a team yeah. that handles both companies. So when you, so if you're going to get together and talk through things, she's representing that financial aspect of the Correct. business. Interesting. That's yeah. wild. <laughs> obviously being family and I always ask the question about Thanksgiving dinners and family get-togethers. Was it awkward? Was there shop talk or did you guys cut it off? Nah, anytime we have family get-togethers, there's some shop talk for sure. And it's usually my dad can say, we'll put this on Trent Tucker, who's our GM at American Carton Company. (laughs) (laughs) He'll throw out that business card to pay for the dinner. (laughs) No, it's a healthy amount. It's not, doesn't consume every time we're together and our time with one another. But I think whenever you're in a business, family business, that's just going to be a part of it. Can you take me back? Uh, you mentioned that you wanted to be the first woman sales rep at Harris. Mm-hmm. Dad kind of poo-pooed that. Did you ever want to be the owner? Did you ever see yourself of as course. the owner? yeah. From day one, prior when, to even getting involved? When Janice and I started talking about wanting to approach Dad, that was the end game, was to be able to not just work there, but to continue it for years to come that's nice and then something i think we i really want to dig into a little bit just because i know it with my wife being in the industry as well and she describes how difficult some of those early aicc meetings were for her just walking into a room full of the corrugated industry which was largely male right at the time so she felt incredibly intimidated yeah was it Similar it was for the you, same way you? for us at first, yeah. Our first meeting, we kind of looked around, and it was us and Kim Nelson, and that's about it. Yeah. But I will say it's been really refreshing seeing that change over the years, especially with spending time with the ELs. We've got a really good mix of young ladies mm. coming into our industry. So very encouraging to me. Yeah. 
So now you elevating to chairman. It's a well-deserved honor. Thank you. And and just your thoughts on what every year the chairman has a theme. And as Madam Chairman, what was your focus? I'm very passionate about education, especially for those who are interested in our industry. Been very active with UTA and now starting to get active with a high school STEM school in Mansfield. So I'm hoping to try to get some curriculum in that school over this next year and kind of let them be the guinea pig on how do we start implementing, number one, who we are, and number two, we have so much great education that has already been created. Mm. Why aren't we sharing that and getting it out there? I love that. You've really grassroots the approach with the, at the high school level. How has that been received from the high school on the front end? Are they super excited about what it presents? They are, yeah. Why do they see it as such a good opportunity? Well, when I approach them, I let them know that American Carden and Southern Champion Trey are both in Mansfield. And then, of course, Harris is in Fort Worth. And then all of the friendly competitors, most of them are friendly, in the DFW area. And it's like, there's so many jobs available that people just don't know about. Yeah. And that's what gets them excited. If there's an industry wanting to work with them to educate the kids of the job opportunities in their area, that, that really does mean a lot. And when I started with UTA, the president, he was a huge fan of that program, packaging program, because it gave his art students opportunities that they didn't even know about. Yeah. Did you have a previous relationship with the UTA president? Man, you just pick up the phone and say, I'm going to champion this. So actually, I met him when ICPF started working with UTA, and they donated the first CAD table, and we were there for the ribbon cutting and all that kind of stuff. And then I got pretty active with the program, and he knew that. He asked me to be on his advisory board. Tried to make my ends as much as possible with the deans, the faculty, and it's been great. We've hired 10 UTA kids in the last handful of years. That's great. And all different types of positions, not just design. Yeah. And they've been great hires. Hearing you speak so passionately about UTA over the last four or five years as I've been on the mm -hmm. board, it's really cool. And your involvement in it is admirable. It doesn't take that much. Honestly, I'm on campus maybe two to three times a semester. And we can handpick the best of the best because we've got those relationships. And it's just not that time-consuming to get involved. They ask you to speak, go speak. We are judges for their sales competition. We have a Joe Harris scholarship that Dad gets to pick the winner every year. Nice. She loves doing that. It's not that time-consuming to, to get involved. And it, the wins are way worth it, in my opinion. So I'm hoping to be that way with this Ben Barber experience. And you're a UTA grad, right? So you have a personal connection more so than just the involvement now. I am. Right, and that is too. Is it true that you threw out the first pitch of the Texas Rangers game and piped <laughs> it right down the middle? It was not right down the middle, <laughs> but it is true. <laughs> How did that all come about? UTA. It was UTA night at the Rangers, and the president asked me to do it. I was so nervous about that. I did not did want practice? to do that. Every night. I asked can, my husband about that. I can imagine. I was cussing at him, and <laughs> he was a pitcher in college. Really? Yeah. And so he was trying to teach me. I never pitched a ball before. Really at first, I'm like, no. And Zach goes, you'll look back and regret it if you didn't make yourself go do that. And that's why I was cussing at him in the backyard <laughs> as we were practicing. Did you that. get a Rangers jersey with Harris, your name no, on the back? No, that would have been so cool, though. 
Yeah. <laughs> Once in a lifetime opportunity. It was fun. Yeah, I was so nervous about it, but it was fun. And we had industry competitors there at the game. We had a suite and it was a way for us to promote the packaging program in UTA as well. It was a fun night. That's neat. My daughters got to go down on the field with us and a lot of good memories there. That's neat. Yeah. Pretty special. Were you more nervous that day throwing the first pitch or your first company meeting as owner? And The pitch. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> She'd been around that equipment since she was five. Yeah. That was no big deal at all. Yeah. It's pretty wild. I've had a fun ride thus far. It's good. Shifting back over, talk about the businesses today, what you try to provide in the marketplace, your philosophy of running the company. What we run in the marketplace is all over the board. At Harris, we definitely have quite a bit of brown box business. It's brown and down. Yeah. <laughs> We have our fair share of that, of yeah. course. We've got three flexos. We like that kind of business. But we also have two rotaries, uh, automaton. One of the rotaries is five colors plus UV. So we do some high-end things as well. We do warehouse, which a lot of our competitors do not. So that has been an advantage for us. And then with the folding carton, same thing. Our mix of customers are so diverse because, as you know, almost everything goes in a box. We do anything from plain Jane to... Pretty fancy at American Carton. Over the last 12 years since you became owner, how has the business changed and has it morphed into what your vision is or are you still just continuing Joe's vision of the company? So we have had significant growth over the last 12 years and it's been a lot of fun. We get together with our GMs every year and kind of put our expectations out there and then obviously talk to all of our management team and say, okay, what do you think we can do? this next year. What numbers, what kind of productivity do you think we can get out there? What kind of customer do we need to go try to find to fit the space that's still available for us too. My dad was the type, he would go out and he bought a four color Flexo because no one in the market had it at the time. That's interesting. Joe was thinking about five color rotaries with UV back in 2003. Well, he's a visionary. Yeah, that, that one was his that's idea. That's crazy. Yeah. So he just saw the development on where the market was going to go. He wanted to have his footprint into some of that higher end graphics. That's incredible. And it's really funny looking back on it. At what age was he? Probably my age at the time. That's impressive. I mean, that is visionary. See around corners like that. It was in our market. It was. And our very first box that we did that we thought was really high graphic. Yeah. I look at it now and it's just like, yeah, yeah that was not <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at all. He bought the die cutter and we added the UV, but with five colors because he wanted to have something one up on our competitors. Do you think that that trait is ingrained in you as an operator, that you try to take that same approach and provide what's not. I think so, yes. Yeah, that's really yeah. neat. Where do you see the company going? You're a young woman. You still got plenty of time left, I would imagine. Yeah. With your career and what's next? I still want to see continued growth. Of course, this, after this last year, it'll be interesting to see if we can even get close to this that's last true. year. That's <laughs> true. But with that said, what this last year has taught us is we know exactly what our max capacity is now mm. with our existing equipment Great. and with our people. So we're going to have to use that knowledge that we learned over this challenging year, challenging but healthy year, to kind of plan for the future. We also moved our headquarters to a building that Janice and I bought a couple of years ago. And it's just a warehousing for finished goods, but it had offices in there. So we fixed them up and it's our new headquarters. But that building, we may eventually put some higher speed equipment in there. And then our thought process is when the time comes and it makes sense, have the third generation manage 
that little unit of business. Yeah. And that way they can make some mistakes, but hopefully not too many, and just with two pieces of equipment. Yeah. And also be under the watch of our GM, who's teaching them anyways. So interesting to me in the family dynamic, not to say that this happened with you and Janice, but I have a friend who bought a business in 2012, and he didn't know a single thing about it. And the owner, I think, that he bought it from stuck around for about 60 days. Wow. And now his son is working in the business, and I listen to him, I watch him go, he does, he's not ready for that. <laughs> and I have to remind him, I said, do you remember when you had absolutely no idea what you were doing and <laughs> you did just fine? Is that tough to manage, holding yourself back from letting your kids make mistakes and letting Jordan find her way along, along the way? I kind of understand my dad's viewpoint a little bit better now. Aha, <laughs> uh -huh. interesting. Funny how that works. So it's going to happen organically, is that? <laughs> right. Is, yes, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. That's great. Super proud of them, and I know he, he is still I super bet. proud of us too, but yeah. It's interesting how that just starts to organically It does. What, what sort of leadership style do you try to employ in the business? Obviously, with double-digit growth in two businesses, there's significant ads and staff. You said you've hired probably 10 people from UTA. So growing, how do you try, what's your messaging? How do you try to lead? How do you try to motivate? I'll tell you, um, my mom was such an amazing, caring soul. And I watched her be a leader and watched how she did it. And, you know, if you did something wrong, you were going to find out about it. That discussion was going to be had, but her door was always open. And my dad, too, actually, he's very caring as well. But he also would be the one walking down the hall with a very red face. And you just knew not to say a word to yeah. him at that moment. <laughs> yeah. But I think my colleagues would say that I try to be as caring as possible, try to be fair. Yeah. We're blessed to have these companies. We are so blessed. Yeah. And we're blessed to have really good people too. Servant leaders, what I try to do. I wouldn't say I'm great at it all the time, but that's the philosophy. As you would expect to hear from a servant leader. Yeah, really. Humbleness. <laughs> Humility. That's that's great. One thing that I love about you is you are you are unflappable. And I just all the time we've known each other. You just you know what? She's just <laughs> she could be mad as a hatter, but you wouldn't know it. She's just calm and collective. It's pretty good. Was there ever a time, and I think I'm asking this question more because of as Jordan and Peyton come up in the business and, and learn more, where there was a staff dynamic that maybe your dad didn't necessarily agree with, but knew he got to a point where he had to support your decision. Did you guys experience something like that? No, we've experienced something like that where we allow our managers to make their own call. Oh, interesting. And there was one specific one I'm thinking about that my sister and I knew this person was not the right fit. So we would remind our general manager, we're okay if you are ready to make a change yeah. in that position. So yeah. the GMs always know where we stand. And unless they're making a call that is totally against our belief system, we let them make the call because that person works directly for them. Sounds like your GMs have a pretty fair amount of autonomy. Mm -hmm, yeah. How do you try to set expectations around that? One of the things you did mention is those conversations about investment equipment, where we're going, but do you formalize that at all? Little more so at American Carton Company because our GM there, he likes to be very formal. Interesting. Yeah. So those same discussions are had at both places. They're just handled slightly differently. 
Are the cultures of those two businesses highly similar, identical, highly similar, somewhat similar? I would say the employee base is highly similar. I would say the management styles is different. Mm. Our GM at American Carton is more of a production-based mm-hmm. mindset. He's an engineer and definitely handles certain calls or decisions differently than our sales-minded GM at Harris. Different mindset. Sure. That's yep. interesting. And you talked about something in the cardiology space, these people in this moment of need and your ability to be compassionate and be a comforting person in that instance. And then that salon, that retail side of no different than restaurant, bar, you never know what you're going to get And the in the midst of letting that partner go. And even though you're doing the front of the house stuff, I think it just really trains you well to have that customer focus, which is pretty interesting kind of approach in, in what you did versus going to spend eight years working for some big public company and then coming back in. Yeah. As uh, you got into the ownership side of things and you started working your way through, I'm sure challenges popped up here and there. Was there ever a time where you were just like, oh man, what did I get myself into? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> every day? <laughs> Not every day, but there's definitely some of those for sure. As my mentor, Harold would say, There's 5% days every once in a while. 95% of the time, it's fun working in this industry or working at Harris Packaging or whatever. Yeah. But you always have those 5% days where it just seems to everything go hell in a handbasket. But it's part of it. What was was the messaging from you two as we hit this peak volume and maxing out capacity and employees are almost at some points, seven days a week of around the clock for weeks at a time. How are you trying to keep customers, employees, vendors, keep everybody in a good frame of mind? I think just as everybody else did, you're just trying to hold on tight and keep your head above water, you know, as much as you could. I will say that I was very proud of our company because the industry, the competitors around us, even though our service was not what it normally was, it was still the best in class in nice. the area. We weren't turning things next day like we used to be able to because we couldn't get the board, but we weren't several weeks out like a lot of our competitors sure. were. So I was very proud of our team for <laughs> getting through all that together. That's great. It's pretty impressive. It was a challenging time. And like you said, who knows if we'll see it again. How do you compare it to 2008, 2009 was another kind of crisis situation with the economy tanking its around the same time you took ownership of the company. So you've jumped right in the deep end at that moment. We did, and it was interesting. I'm glad it happened right then, though, to be honest with you, because Dad was still at the reins, and we were seeing P&Ls that are very different than what they are now. Mm-hmm. Back then, we actually saw some red here and there, and it was a good time just to watch my dad and Harold lead the company through that mess and, and see what kind of decisions they made. We only had one kind of heartbreaking thing during that time was we had to let go a whole entire shift. Yeah. And that was a rough day. When did Harold retire? He still comes in every other day. Does he? <laughs> yeah. We still have him kind of on payroll. He fills in for Matt whenever Matt's out of town. And we right now have a brand new sales manager who is new to the industry. Interesting. So Matt's spending more time with the sales manager and Harold's spending more time with production. And so he did retire and I can't remember the year because he's still coming in. I'm hearing you talk about him. I can tell there's a large admiration for him. Oh my goodness. Yes. 
if you had to list a handful of people as mentors, I assume he's right close to the oh, top, yeah. if not at the top. I would say he's at the top. And any yeah. other people? Shockingly, I wouldn't say mentor, but I'm super proud of his son, Matt. He's younger than me, but he did a damn good job leading that company day to day through all that mess and just juggling everything. And he's also very much a caring individual too, yeah. with employees, and that means a lot to me. But yes, both the Bivens brothers or buddies, they're very important to the Harris family. That's awesome. Sales manager outside of the industry. I'm curious about that. I am too. It's new. <laughs> it's an approach I've seen more and more. Definitely not with a high degree of frequency, but what was it that kind of led you to that? What led us to that is the fact that we kind of sniffed around, couldn't find anybody that was looking at the time that's from the industry. And Matt actually happened to know this fellow. They're in the same neighborhood. They're not buddies or anything yep. like that, but just knew of him. And since I had that relationship, this guy, Nate, he used to be with Sealed Air yeah. Company. And so he was bringing us business. He brought us almost $5 million worth of business. Oh and he didn't even work for us. Wow. So Matt was spending more time with him, working on projects with him while he was selling the equipment and such. We were selling the boxes along with him. And we're like, he knows sales. Yeah. He knows how to get in the door. He has his own badge at this company we just brought on as right. a customer. He can walk in anytime he wants. Yeah. So it was just, I think, a good fit. Anybody can learn corrugated, but he knows sales. And so Huge. we decided to give it a go. It's refreshing to hear your perspective on hiring and hiring a person and their personality. Personality is huge. We had someone in the position prior to that that just wasn't the right fit and did not fit the culture. And so Nate, but he's a good fit for Harris Packaging. It's great. As a person. I remember I hired somebody out of the industry when I was at Interpac in 2006. And the only thing I could think of was I dragged a desk into my office and we shared an office for nine months so he could participate. Like you said about Jordan and Peyton sitting in those meetings as you did with Joe, it was just invaluable because it had that moment where something would occur and I could look up and say, okay, this is a great right. opportunity. I didn't know any other way to do it. And it's probably not the best way to do it because it's a resource that's captive, but it was a way to just take this. I think that's pretty smart. High speed train yep. <laughs> and try to drop in <laughs> a couple of key teaching points along the way. There's a lot of volatility right now. There's concerns with respect to interest rates and where consumer confidence, inflation. What do you, if you had to put an economist hat on, what are you prepping for? What's your take on what we might expect? Who the heck knows? But we did just have a sales meeting where the discussion was just exactly what you said. Inflation's going up and no one really knows what's going to happen in the market. We're expecting it to as we're seeing it right now, soften a little bit. We're seeing that kind of across the board. Yeah. And we're also getting some new competitors coming towards our direction in the next couple of years. So our focus is going to be keep current customers, number one, grow deeper into that if we're not the full-time supplier. And then for the first time in two years, our sales guys actually heard us say, Go get new business. Yeah. <laughs> not just sit and have it come to you, but go get new business. A shock, right? Yeah. It's hard, I think, as an operator, we had to basically corral our horses 
And now we've let them all back out. And it's where are your opportunities? It's like, we have to remember that they've been walking around eating the grass out of the bucket for yep. two years. It just doesn't happen overnight. And we have a couple of newbies that it's going to be shocking for them to play <laughs> in the normal world. Yeah. Of cells. Yeah. The normal world. Yeah. It's just funny to hear you say that. Yeah. Last two years, we were just kind of in a bubble. Yeah, <laughs> what, what advice do you have for young entrepreneurs? You mentioned emerging leaders. You hosted the emerging leaders at your plants. And really, no surprise, a huge success that visit and a lot of praise towards you and the company and everybody's experience there. But as you see the mix change, more women in the emerging leaders, your daughter Jordan's involvement, I think she's now on the emerging leader delegates. What advice do you have for young entrepreneurs? How do they start to accomplish some of the things you've done and learn and make mistakes? And what would you tell them? What advice would you give? I do spend some time with the ELs and I do love when they come and ask me those questions. And I've loved the one-on-one and I've got several of them that do that frequently. Mm. I really appreciate that. I think what they're doing in the EL program and being a part of this association is key. The reason I think that is that's what Janice and I experienced. And we learned so much. We grew up around corrugated, but we didn't know everything. And every time we'd come to a meeting, we'd take home a new bit of knowledge about the industry that we didn't have prior to going. So I think emerge yourself in all this, all the things that AICC has to offer, including the ELs. And then you wind up learning from each other. Yeah. My sister and I have learned so much from you guys that are here at the meetings. As our time, as we were progressing, we were not scared to pick up the phone and call someone and say, okay, we've got this situation. How would you handle it? Or how did you handle it? And found a lot of personal growth through reaching out to others and trying to learn from them. So I'd say keep your AICC family close. That's great advice. It makes me think about all of the times in 20 some odd years now of just, let's call somebody, they've done this. And the people in this, in the industry, and especially in the association of just the AICC experience, how many are willing to help members? Mm -hmm. It's yep. really, it's really neat. I think the AICC members have helped Janice and I to challenge ourselves more. Honestly, she sits on a CEO group and then I've been on the board for so long that a lot of our friends challenges to think bigger that's awesome yeah definitely i think that's a big part of our groups yeah over the years along the same lines is what would you say to these up-and-coming females in the industry what advice would you give the cassie malones and obviously jordan and sahar and their future is bright their yeah. future is so bright and i don't think any of them that you specifically mentioned are nervous about being a woman in this industry that's not going to stop them. They're just strong people. Yeah. And they're going to they're going to be very successful. No doubt. Anything you'd change thus far on your journey, your career, your company, your experience? I don't think so. I'm very happy with everything. I enjoy what we do. Jordan started with us. She started to make some more traction, and I'm starting to see that she, especially with the ELs, helped yeah. her really a lot with that. Yeah. Then once Peyton said that he wanted to start coming too, just since Janice and I have each other, yeah, it comforts me a little bit to know that they'll be going through it together. There's got to be. I'm. I don't own a family business. I've worked in family businesses. There always has to just be a birth dynamic to these things where, you know, a, the father and mother start the company and 
multiple children in the business or just, I'm the oldest, you're the, you're the baby. I don't know if that always just evaporates as we get older. I think I've heard my own mother say, you'll always be my son, regardless of how old I am. So I think I can see the dynamic of, well, your own is here and your sister's got kids. That all unfolds. It's, it's got to have a certain challenge to it in its own right. I'm sure it will. It's going to be interesting to watch over the next decade or two, because I think Peyton, he pretty much has in his mind that he wants to be a GM one day. Yeah. And of course, we have two companies, so it's not like they both couldn't. Yeah. But I think Jordan wants to do sales. And so it'll be interesting to see how they organically wind up in whatever position makes sense for them. It's going to be fun to watch. This is our seventh or eighth podcast. And they're all so unique. But one theme that kind of keeps ringing is how our past predicts our future a little bit. And we see the leaders, the folks that we're interviewing carry on a similar Maybe with their own spin on it, right. a new twist. And it's unique because in every instance, there's another pathway to transitioning leadership of the business. Some unknown at this point, but it's neat from our perspective to watch. It's never easy, but exciting. It is exciting. Yeah, yeah. It'd be fun. You're optimistic. <laughs> yeah, I like no, that. Let's talk yeah. again in a couple of years. <laughs> You've got, sounds like two really strong general managers. You have you two. We do. You have you two and you have... On the third generation there, from a timing perspective, is somebody going to retire or getting to that spot and you're already trying to look at? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I bet a lot of time's got to be spent on that because you talked about the personality and really the fit in the organization. Right. Yeah. When we had the person that wasn't a fit, that was a long couple of years because I thought that needed to be changed sooner than it was. But we do have quite a few people in management over the next probably three to five years will be retiring. And so, yes, we're already starting to really think through that, see if we have anybody that we can develop within or if it's going to be something that we'll have to look from outside. If you had to recommend or maybe just your own opinions on a, a, an internal developmental program, what comes to mind? Because I think there are a lot of companies that are facing this. And I think that in family-owned entrepreneurial businesses, we try to seek out those good teachers, but they may not always be in the functional area okay. that we need to develop. How do you, have you thought through that at all? Not enough. Yeah. Haven't thought through that enough. We're extremely blessed to have, like I said, Matt right now is teaching the third generation and our new sales manager who doesn't know corrugated. Yes. <laughs> On a daily basis, pretty yeah. much. It's not a set program per se, but it's working for us. Yeah. I just want to tell you how impressive the story is, the growth pattern over the last 15 years since you and Janice took the reins. It's really impressive. Well, it's truly obviously been a teamwork effort, but it's gr a good team that we have at both companies, management team, and with same outlooks. They all know we're wanting to grow. We're not wanting just to stay stagnant. We want to offer more jobs. And we want to be a good place for people to come to work and have a good experience for the it, most part. <laughs> it's an environment that I think speaks to the values and the vision when you don't have just owners with their next generation, but managers and workers in the company with their next generation in the business. Yeah. That's a pretty unique situation, I think, speaks to your values. It's very touching. 
Speaking of touching, I will say I lost my daughter recently, unexpectedly, but at the funeral, all of the employees that showed up in their plant shirts, and it was just beautiful. It's amazing. Yeah. It's one big Truly family. Truly a family. As my screensaver keeps popping up here, my daughters, I just can't thank you enough for being such a strong leader for the whole industry, but then specifically for the females coming through. Thank you. It's quite an honor to be able to do that. So, it's a well-deserved honor. Thank oh. you. Appreciate it. Breaking down boxes. New shows will drop the first Monday of every month. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank <laughs> you.